Praise the Lord, church. I don't know why I've done this a dozen times, but I'm feeling really nervous tonight. I don't know why. I just say it's the Holy Ghost. I'm feeling, feeling the Holy Ghost. I feel like, sorry, I'm getting emotional already. I have nothing going on. It's just the Holy Ghost is, is taking over right now. Someone, someone came in here tonight with something, and I'm telling you right now, the Lord's already moving in this place. And you came here tonight on a Tuesday night for a reason. I think, thank our pastor tonight. I give him honor. I said, I'm so thankful to sit under the greatest pastor on earth in the front of the greatest congregation on earth. I'm so thankful for, for everyone here. Uh, can we just can we just give our pastor one more honor, round of applause tonight? I give honor to him and to his wife. I give honor to my wife for always supporting me and our family. And, and I'm just so thankful for the Lord tonight. He's so good to us. If he's been given to you, been good to you, let's give him another hand clap of praise tonight. Let's give him some glory tonight. Come on, church. Your, your applause was louder for me. Your applause shouldn't be louder for me. That applause should be for the Lord tonight. The one that died on the cross for you with your name on his mind. We should give him that hand clap of praise right now. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start right away here. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in the book of Exodus in chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 1. The book of Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 2 verse 1. When you get there, shout out amen. amen. If you don't have your Bibles, the words are provided on the board for you. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived... And bear a son. Everyone say a son. A son hits a little bit different for me. I love my girls so much, but I'm going to need some help in convincing Amber that we need to try just one more time for that boy. But a, but a son hits a little bit different for me. And the woman conceived and bare, bared a son. And, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. What is interesting here is that is that word ark and it's the same Hebrew word that was used when Noah built the ark. It's the same Hebrew word because Moses like Noah, both learned my topic here tonight. An ark makes a difference. An ark makes a difference. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. First and foremost, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for this mighty presence we already feel here tonight, Lord. Lord, I, I don't know who it is, Lord, but I can feel that you're wanting to work on someone's heart tonight, God. And I pray that you open everyone here's heart and minds, Lord, to focus on what you want them to hear tonight, God. Lord, I ask that you anoint my lips, Lord, and let your words come out, not mine, but yours of what you want your people to hear tonight, Lord God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Thank you. You may be seated and the musicians may go down. An ark makes a difference. See, as the youth pastor of this church, I'm so thankful that the Lord has provided us with a lot of great children here. And I'm thankful that we have a dedicated Sunday school department who are willing to help our children to grow in the knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ. But as I reflect on our time at Holiday Youth Convention a couple weeks ago, one thing is for certain, and that is that children are not perfect. Children are not perfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. I know Lainey knows. Children are not perfect. (laughs) Children don't really think of the price for some things that we buy them. I, I mean, it's just a credit card, so mom and dad can really just buy me anything. And, and they don't really account for the work that you've done to buy that toy. They don't really count the cost, but we do. We do. It, it's a fact that you and I appreciate something more when we work for it. Now, how many of us have cell phones in here tonight? Pretty much everybody's hand should be raised unless you're a grounded child. Who has a cell phone in here? We're going to do, do something a little bit different. I know we're in church and you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want everybody to take out your cell phones right now. It's okay. I said it's okay. I'm preaching. You can take out your cell phones. But I want everybody to take out their cell phones and I want you to hold it up in the air. Everybody has their cell phones. Rainy, don't be texting while I'm preaching, please. You know, I told you have your phone out. Now, I want you to keep your phone up if you have a broken phone or a cracked screen. Does anybody have a broken phone or a phone that has a cracked screen on it? We got a couple. Let's see yours. What does it look like? Oh, that's not, that's not the phone. That's the case. That's pretty bad. Co, your, your hand's not up. Usually your phone's broken all the time. No. Can I borrow your phone for a minute? So Rainey's got a got a broken phone. You can put your phones away now too. I don't want you on it anymore. So Rainey's got a broken phone. So a few years ago, uh Amber and I uh went to the state fair for the first time together and uh we were going through security, right? We were going through security and they have that little basket that you put your phone and stuff in. And we put our phones in that basket, and we went through that x-ray machine. And as I went through, I turned around, and the security guard threw the bowl on the table. I'm not joking. Throws the bowl on the table, and my phone just flies out. It does a 180 in the air, and it lands face first on the pavement and hits the ground. And my heart sank. My heart dropped. Does anybody, anybody ever have that feeling before? When you drop your phone, it falls out of your pocket or off the table, and it lands face first on the ground, and your heart just sinks. And you're, you're saying prayers that you never said before. You know, you're saying, God of Abraham and Isaac, God who parted the Red Sea, please let my phone be okay. And you start speaking, and you're getting a text. That's not very nice. Anyway. And you're, you're, you're speaking in tongues over this phone, and you're hoping it's not broken. And, and then you pick it up, and you look at it, and it's perfectly fine. And your phone is perfectly fine. 
and that sigh of relief comes through. Has anyone ever had that experience with the sigh of relief that comes through? Well, that didn't happen for me. I picked up my phone and looked at it, and I could see where it had hit. It's going off again. I could see where it had hit uh, in the corner, probably hit a pebble or a rock or something, and it started to spider like this phone did. Um, And and I had worked for T-Mobile at the time, so I knew what the cost was going to be to to get it fixed or and I knew what was left on my payment and how much I owed on it and my bank account was not up to par for it at that time so what happens when, when that happens kind of probably like Rainey's doing right now you you look at your phone and and you can kind of halfway see the date and the time and you're trying to press buttons you're trying to press an A when you're texting but you got to press the E and you got to do a cheat code to get, hit your home button and you know what I'm talking about. You got, you got to look at it all crazy. But then you just learn to live with it. It takes a minute, but you kind of just learn to live with it. And then your friends come along. And we all know those friends that are nosy, that got to know everything. And you're like, yeah, I got a nice phone. It's a little cracked, but, but I'm living with it. And they're like, what did you do to your phone? Like, did you take that thing out in the field and use it for target practice? What? Did you do? Are you crazy? How are you texting? How are you calling? How are you not cutting your fingers as you're playing a game? What did you do? And you're like, I'm just living with it. And church, I want to tell you tonight, that's kind of like sin. That's kind of like sin, right? Because when sin, when the first thing happens with sin is we run to this altar with tears flowing down our face and we cry out, God, forgive me. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have went there. I know I shouldn't have said those things. I know I shouldn't have done these things. God, forgive me. Forgive me. And we're sorry. And we're fearing the flames of hell. And we're scared to go to hell. And we're repentant. And we're repentant. But sometimes with sin, it's kind of like this iPhone. You learn to start living with it. You learn to start living with it. And you start to look through the cracks, and you you start trying to function through the brokenness. And you just start moving along and along, and you're just starting to live with it. But you're not really fixing the problem. You're not really fixing the problem at all. But then someone comes, and they they ask you, what is going on in your life? What are you doing with your life? And you see someone that doesn't have a broken phone. You see someone whose phone is not broken, and you say, look how clear they can see. Look how clear they are. They don't have to look at life all crazy. They don't have to look at things all crazy. But the beautiful thing about an iPhone, this is an iPhone, it's called an OtterBox. Does anybody have an OtterBox or a case for their phone? Or does anybody have any kids that have tablets or iPads and you have a, a case for their, for their tablet? Why? Because an ark makes a difference. Because when it's protected, when you have protection on it and you drop it, it's much less likely to get broken. And that's kind of like when you put safeguards on your life. 
or when you put boundaries in your life, that I'm not going to let my family go to these certain places. I'm not going to let my family do these certain things. I'm not going to let my family watch these certain things. I'm not going to let my family listen to these certain things. Because when you put an arc in your life, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. When you have an ark, you don't have to live in brokenness. You can go to heaven. You don't have to live a shattered life. You don't have to live with shame and guilt. You don't have to live with pain and hurt. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. An ark can make all the difference in the world. You don't have to live a broken life. You can run to the cross and God can change your life. God can change your life. Thank you. And the first otter box or the first case that we have is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. 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 Amen. First John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if this is your first time in church or you've been in this thing for five years or 50 years and you've always been struggling to live for God and you've never repented of your sins, tonight can be that night. Tonight can be that night because when you repent of your sins, God will cleanse you. God will forgive you. God will make you new and white as snow. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, let God wash all your sins away. Let him remove them as far as the east is from the west. Let God do a work in your life. Why don't you get the name of Jesus on your life today? Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. It doesn't matter what you're coming against. It doesn't matter if the devil is trying to destroy your life. You got the name of Jesus on you. And no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. If God be for us, who could be against us? The ark makes all the difference. An ark can make a difference in your life. You could be born again. We've baptized many people in this water, and they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell somebody tonight, the gift is not just for them. It's for you as well. You might come in here with a broken life. You, can, you come in destroyed from your past. You could be made new. If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things become new. But that's for the newer people in the church. That's for the newer people in the church. There, there's some people that have been in church for years, but we just get comfortable. We just get comfortable. Oh, it's just a phone. It's $1,000. It's important. And I've come to tell somebody tonight, it's not just, oh, I'm saved. Now what do I do? I'm saved. What do I do now? You need an ark in your life. You need to be protected in your life. You need holiness. You need holiness. It's that lifestyle. Well, that's a scary word. No, but it makes all the difference in the world. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show faith 
the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 1, 15, 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't look like the world. Don't be like the world. Why? Because it's an ark. Because you need an ark. It's your reasonable service to be that living sacrifice to God. And that ark makes a difference. Turn to your neighbor and say, the ark makes a difference. And to understand this, we have to go back to the story of Moses. We have to go back and look at some of the things that were said in the time of Moses. And it's this biblical concept of holiness. And I've broken it down into three different things. It's the highway of holiness. The highway of holiness. This highway. See, when I drive, I like to drive on the interstate. I like to take the interstate. It's easier it's faster. So, but for Amber, she prefers to take the back roads. So that's why I usually drive because it's easier and faster. But when you're driving on the highway, there's usually a ditch or trees on the side of the road. So, so what protects you from going over into the ditch or the trees? What protects you from going to the ditch or the trees? The guardrails. The guardrails. Those are established. They're cemented into the ground. They're there because if you go too far, you'll end up in the ditch or in the trees and you'll probably get injured or worse, you might die. So, so that's there for a reason. And that's biblical holiness. That's biblical holiness. That's the things that God says is black and white in the word of God. You cannot argue it. You might need to ask some questions of why to understand it, but you just live it because they're guardrails to let you know, hey, you're getting too close to death. You're getting too close to injury. But what else is there right before you get to the guardrails that's kind of embedded in the ground? The rumble strips, the rumble strips. The other night we were driving with PJ and co in the car and as I was getting onto I-65, I drove on the rumble strips a little bit, and PJ was like, geez, Chris, stay on the road. I was just really just making sure they were still awake, you know. But, but those rumble strips are there to let you know you're getting too close to the guardrail. You're getting too close to the guardrail. You're getting too close to the thing that's about to destroy your life. And that's pastoral holiness, That's pastoral holiness or pastoral preaching. Those are things that our pastor preaches that are from the word of God that might not be clearly written, but is there to let you know, hey, you're getting too close to the edge. I'm going to try not to get in trouble here, but I came across a story uh, of a pastor in San Francisco. And, And I'll be nice. San Francisco is known to have a certain kind of people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody else later. I'm sure they will know. But 
this church started having men who were converting, which is great. It's awesome. But then the pastor started having some issues. The pastor started having some issues. So the pastor started doing some rumble stripping. He started to do some rumble stripping and he said, hey, there's no more like bro hugs or there's no like, hey, let me just put my arm around you and say hi because it's a temptation for those people. Well, the word of God doesn't say that, pastor. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to live that way? It's a rumble strip to let you know you're getting too close. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to do drugs. Why? Because it always takes you further than you intended it to go. And so pastor lays down the rules and he starts to preach some things from the word of God. Why? Because it's a rumble strip letting you know, hey, you're getting too close to going too far. You're getting a little close to letting sin destroy your life. Your pastor is trying to put an ark in your life. He's trying to protect you. So let's not get frustrated at this great man of God. Let's not get frustrated at him who teaches us great biblical principles to us because it's that rumble strip that lets us know that we are about to go too far. So there's the guardrails, there's the rumble strips, and then what's next? The lines. The lines. Now, this, this is personal holiness. This is personal holiness. Someone say personal holiness. Now, that's the things that you and I live. That's the things that you and I live. And, and do you notice that those lines, they're never drawn on the trees. Those lines aren't drawn over on the trees. Do you ever see yellow lines on the trees? I don't think so. Because you're not supposed to be over there. They're not drawn on the trees because you're not supposed to be over there. And those yellow lines, they're not drawn on the guardrails, which are here, and they're not drawn on the rumble strips either. So I can't say, well, my pastor preaches this, but I'm going to be way over here because it's personal. Oh, the Bible stops here, but I'm going to be over here in the trees because it's personal. That's not how it works. The Bible doesn't contradict the pastor, and the pastor doesn't contradict the personal standards. So where the Bible is, and then where our pastor is, I'm going to go way over here. I'm going to go way over here, because I'm drawing a line saying, you know what, there's some places I'm not going to go. There's some things I'm not going to watch. There's some things I'm not going to do. Oh, my pastor doesn't preach it, and it's not black and white in the word of God, but I'm drawing a line because I don't want to even get close to over there. I'm trying to have an ark in my life. I'm trying to make it to heaven. Well, the Bible doesn't say don't go to a girl's house by yourself. It doesn't say thou shalt not go as to a girl's house by thyself. I've never read that. I don't know if anybody else has. But that's my rule. That's my rule. I'm never in the presence of another girl alone. I'm even awkward when I drop Millie off at the babysitter in the morning. Like, it, I, I just don't do it. But why? Well, my pastor doesn't preach it, so I'm going to get way over here. No, the Bible doesn't say it, no. But I drew that line because I don't even want to get close to flirting. I don't even want to get close to committing adultery. So I draw my line way over here because I'm trying to be protected. 
because I have something that's important to me because that iPhone's worth $1,000, but how much more important, how much more valuable is your soul? How much more valuable is your soul? How much more valuable is your soul for eternity to not go to hell, but to make it to heaven? So, hey, I'm drawing that line as far as I need to draw it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I'm going to be committed to the word of God because I'm trying to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. An ark makes a difference. An ark makes a difference. An ark makes a difference. So we get that principle. An ark makes a difference. So now let's look at the story of Moses. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22 says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river. This river that was full of crocodiles that, that would eat all the boys. And every daughter ye shall save alive. Exodus chapter 2. And there went a man out of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and pitch. She placed the child inside of that ark because she knew that the ark made a difference. She knew the ark made a difference. See, the Israelites were starting to outgrow the Egyptians and the Egyptians started to get scared. They said, if they keep growing, they'll be able to fight us because they're outnumbering us. So the way to stop it, let's not go after the girls because the girls always get all the benefits for some reason, But no, let's go after the boys. Because if there's no boys, then they can't repopulate. If there's no boys, they can't repopulate. That seems like common sense, but in today's world, they haven't figured that out, apparently. I don't know what they're watching, but you need a man and a woman to repopulate. So Pharaoh said, let's kill all the boys. Let's kill all the boys. I want you to know that the devil is willing to kill an entire generation just to stop someone who received a call of God on their life. The devil is willing to take out this entire church just for the next missionary or the next preacher that's going to come out of this church. I want to let you know tonight, the devil doesn't care about you and your family. He'll put whatever in your life. He just wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So Moses' mother, she hid him as long as she could. Like a good mom, she protected her baby, but Moses started to get too big. He started to get too big, and, and he started to cry too loud, so she couldn't hide him any longer. She couldn't hide him any longer. She loved him, just like we love our phones. She knew how valuable this baby boy was. He was important to her. He meant so much to her. And since Moses meant so much to her, she made an ark. She made an ark. Because love causes us to protect the things that we love. Love causes us to protect the things that we love. So let's make it really simple here tonight. I don't do the things that I do because I'm scared that my wife's going to divorce me. 
if I don't take out the trash, she's going to leave the papers on the table to divorce me. No, that, that's, not, that's not my motive. I do it because I love her. I do it because I love her. And when I serve her, when I submit to her, when I love her, when I treat her good, she treats me good. Even though it's just Facebook, her appreciation posts that she, she puts for me, she puts on there for me, they, they make me feel good. They make me feel happy. And she's happy when I treat her good. The same is true for God. The same is true for God. We don't do what we do because we're scared to go to hell. That's not why we do what we do. God's not looking to send you to hell. God's not looking to send you to hell, but you're choosing hell over God. Instead of saying, you know what? I love God, so I'm going to do this because I love him. It's not always the most comfortable it's not always what I want to do, but I love God. And, and just like when I do things and I sacrifice for my wife, you and I have to do that for God because we love him. Not out of necessity, not because we're scared of hell, but because I love God. I just love God. I love my wife, so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make her happy, not to escape divorce, but just to see her happy. Then Moses' mom, she put him in an ark. Now, does anyone realize what Moses' mom did here? She put him in the Nile River. She put him in the Nile River, the same place that every other boy was being put. The same place, the same school that all the kids were at. The same college campus that all the other students are at. The same job, the same neighborhood that all the other people were at. But you know what? An ark makes a difference. An ark makes a difference. The other kids died. The other kids died. But because Moses' mom protected him, because he was valuable, because she loved that protection, she wasn't bitter toward her situation and the way she had to live because she loved it. Her son was saved. He answered the call of God on his life. He rewrote history and he changed a nation because an ark makes a difference. An ark makes a difference. The same exact environment that every other kid was in, but Moses lived and the other kids didn't. Why? Because an ark makes a difference. Philippians chapter three, verse eight, it says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. It's all garbage. Anything that I have to give up is rubbish. It's all trash. Any ark that I have to put my life in, any lies I have to draw on my highway, that's worth it. Any lines that I have to draw are worth it. John 17, 15, Jesus is praying. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. God was praying in the flesh. God, help my disciples have an ark because it makes a difference. Acts 2.40. These are other words from the Sermon of Pentecost. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
Come out from among them and be ye separate. Do not, don't touch what is unclean, says the Lord. God wanted to raise up a child to answer a call, to change the world. He had a great purpose and an incredible future. But the only way that it could come to pass was when mom made an ark. When mom made an ark. And we need to fall in love with that ark tonight, church. We need to destroy anything that keeps us from getting to heaven. We need to delete some apps that we have on our phones. We need to get rid of some friends. We need to delete some music from our playlist or some movies from our watch list. But then you got to put some protection there so you don't go back to it. Now you need to draw some lines of accountability through our man of God and say, I'm not going back to that. I'm never going back to what I used to because an ark makes a difference. If you aren't praying, fasting, or reading your Bible regularly, then it's time to give up some movies, social media, sports, or anything else that is taking up your time. Well, that's radical. No, it's an ark. It's an ark, and it makes a difference. If you can't describe what you believe from the word of God to someone, then it's time to get rid of some of that sports knowledge you have or some movie quotes from your memory. If you're struggling with some things that you're watching, then it's time to go from a smartphone to a dumb phone. If you're constantly gossiping about the leadership of the church, then it's time to get some new friends that won't allow you to talk about the man and woman of God in your life. If you're negatively being influenced by people, then it's time to get a different set of friends. Look around this church. Look around this church. There's great men and women here. Why don't you hang out with them? Why don't you hang out with the church? Why don't you come to men's prayer? Why don't you come to women's prayer? Why don't you go help out a Sunday school outing? Why don't you come to church early and join the hyphen class? Why don't you go on the men's fishing trip? Why don't we do it? Why? Because there's an ark and I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. If that relationship is robbing you of all your emotional capacity, time, and energy, maybe you need to cancel that next date. If you can't worship God because you're afraid of what people might say, there's a whole front row up here that's empty. There's a whole front row right here to come and not worry about anything but you and God. You can come here and you can worship freely because he deserves all the praise and he inhabits the praises of his people and where his spirit is, there is freedom. So if you've been bound, then come up and get a different view and worship God with everything that you have. We need to learn to be protected and feel the call of God on our lives because an ark makes a difference. The only reason I'm still here today is not just because God's good to me and not just because I have his name protecting me, but also I've done something. I've got a lifestyle. I've decided to sacrifice. I decided to do the hard work and I decided to build an ark in my life. That's why I'm still here. That's why I'm not going anywhere. That's why I live in the favor of God because an ark makes a difference. Church, you can survive in a broken world. But like that iPhone, you got to get a case. You better fall in love with the ark tonight. Stand with me all over this house as the musicians come. I recently read a story about a Missouri wheat farmer. 
And this wheat farmer had a wife, two sons, and a daughter. And one Sunday morning, he had a farmer friend from up the street that came over to him. And he asked if he'd heard the weather report for that day. And the farmer said he hadn't because he and his family had been getting ready for church. Him and his family were getting ready for church, so they haven't seen the weather report. And that kind neighbor told him, well, there's a hailstorm heading this way. There's a hailstorm heading this way. The wheat is wide in the field, and it's ready to be harvested. There's no way you can get it all out, but I suggest you get your combine and save as much wheat as you can because there's a hailstorm heading our way. There's a hailstorm headed our way. And the Christian farmer told him, thank you for the warning, but we're getting ready for church. And we're going to church because that's what we do each and every week. So he loaded up his wife and his three kids and they went to church just like they did each and every week. There was a hailstorm coming, but they made their way to the church. And as they sat in the church, they could hear the roof being struck and they could hear the hailstorm going on outside the church. And I'm sure that farmer was distracted. I'm sure he wondered what would be left of his crop. So after church, they loaded up the car and they headed back to the farm. And on the way back, they talked about what they would find when they got there. They wondered what the damage would be. And when they got back to the farm, they were amazed by what they saw. And this is the part of the story where I'm supposed to say that the hailstorm jumped right over their farm. And this is the part of the story where I'm supposed to say the sky split open and their whole harvest was saved because they went to church. But that's not what happened. That's what I'm supposed to say. That's what you want to hear. But that's not what happened. When they got to the farm, the wheat was beaten down in the field. Their entire crop was destroyed. And it was a total loss. He could have saved some of it, but he decided to put his family in the car and go to church. And he lost his entire harvest. Years later, the two friends were talking about that day, and his friend said, I'm sure you wish you would have stayed home from church that day. Maybe you would have been able to save some of your wheat crop. And without hesitation, the farmer said, No, sir. You see, on that day, we lost our wheat crop, but we saved our main crop. You see, my kids are grown now. One of my boys is a lawyer, and he's a Christian. My other son is a minister, and my daughter is also serving the Lord. I lost my wheat crop, but I saved my main crop. I saved my main crop. See, you might lose some pleasures in this world with this ark. You might not get to enjoy some entertainment or go certain places in this world, but you're saving the main thing, which is your soul. You're saving your soul You're on your way to heaven. So don't grow weary in well-doing. 
you keep living for God. You keep falling in love with holiness. You keep falling in love with the art. Keep drawing those lines. It's gonna save your soul. And I wonder if there's anyone under the sound of my voice tonight that's ready to commit or recommit to holiness right now. I wonder if you're ready to commit to holiness right now. Come on, child of God. You don't have to wait for the singers to start singing. You don't have to wait. This is the time to save your soul. Come on, this isn't the time to hold back. In these last days, it's time to call God and say, God, I'm committing myself to you. God, there's some areas in my life where I need to draw a line. God, I need an ark of protection in this part of my life. God, I love you. It may not be easy. It may cause me to lose some people, but God, I just need you. God, I just need you. I give you my heart. I give you my soul today. God, help me to draw those lines in my life. Give me an ark tonight, Jesus, because an ark is gonna make all the difference.